This is episode 65 of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, and today's guest is Tiffany Wallace. She is back for a third discussion with me. Uh, she was on episode two back when we were first, first starting. She was also on episode 50, and today she's back to dive in all about what it's like to be an SLP in the home health setting. So I know a lot of times we talk about being an SLP in the SNF or in acute care, and a lot of you have requested to just talk about home health. So she is here to do that for us. And Tiffany is a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders from Indiana. She owns a mobile fees company, and she is also the author of the Dysphagia Ramblings blog, which I know we all know and love. She's also does many talks for speechpathology.com and Summit Education, and her most recent accomplishment is she, as well as her co-author Yvette McCoy, uh, just released the Adult Dysphagia Pocket Guide from Neuroanatomy to Clinical Practice. It's a pocket guide that was put out by Plural Publishing, and I had the honor of thumbing through it last weekend. It's an excellent guidebook, and I'm, I'm not just saying that. It really, truly is. Um, it at the end of each section has a clinical applicability section. So I think that's what's so great and something that I think is so overlooked in a lot of textbooks these days. So um, they are not paying me to say this. I just, I'm really proud of them for their work. And I really do think it's going to be such a valuable tool to our field. So it is the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, My mom's currently downstairs trying to figure out how to thaw my turkey and what we're going to do with it tomorrow. So um, without keeping all of you tied up, I, you all know how grateful I am for every single one of you that has contributed to this podcast, listened to this podcast. I had an incredible time this past weekend at the ASHA convention. I was so honored to be able to present with Karen Scheffler and everybody that came up to me and said how much they they love this podcast and they value this. Thank you. Thank you. That truly means the world to me. And I love meeting all of you. I love hugging you. I love squeezing you. So thank you to everybody. I hope everybody has a happy, healthy Thanksgiving. Don't eat too much, although I love everything pumpkin. So please do. I hope you enjoy this episode. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, and I know firsthand how much confusing and conflicting information there is out there about how we assess and treat swallowing disorders. This podcast is all about bringing everyone together, getting on the same page, being open to new ideas, and using evidence-based treatment strategies for our patients with dysphagia. So let's get into it. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Teresa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Of course. This is, I think you're like a three-peat offender now for being on here. I am. I, I don't just, know if there's anybody else that's a three-peat. I don't. I'm just trying to be Ed. I know. That's oh, my yeah. goal. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So you were on you were on episode one with me, which was super exciting. No, and then you, you what? Put, you put Ed on episode one. You made me episode two. Oh, okay. I yeah, I see okay. where I fall in this. Okay. So you were on episode two of the podcast, <laughs> and then recently you were on episode fifty. Yes. With our dear friend Garita, where I just let you guys grill me, which was yes. fun. It was so, so much fun. Yeah. So, anyways, today <laughs> we're gonna dive into some more nitty-gritty. So if people don't know who you are by now, they should, but yeah. tell them a little more about who you are. Um, My name is Tiffany Wallace. I live in the big state of Indiana, 
And I currently do home health, but I also own a mobile fees company. And I write a blog called Dysphagia Ramblings. Yeah. All right. Um, so why do you want to talk about this topic? What do you want to talk about today? Um, just about home health, dysphagia and home health, because I feel like there's so much more that we could do in home health that we don't do. Yes. And I think one of my favorite, we're picking on Ed, but I think one of my favorite Edisms is that people still swallow the same in home health. They do. As they do in other settings, you know, so I know a lot of people say, well, you know, my patient doesn't do that or I don't have access to that stuff. And it's like the fact of the matter is your patient still has the same swallowing impairments as they did, you know, hopefully not, but they do. They, they really do. Yeah. And a lot of times at home, it's better than it was because the patient's not sick like they were in the hospital. Yeah. So. All right. So where do you want to start with this? Well, I mean, I think for me, I've been doing home health full time now for over two years. And I think that a lot of people have questions about home health. Um, like, what's the differences? How do I schedule my patients? What do I need to expect in the home health setting? And, you know, really, it's one of those things where you have to be comfortable going into people's homes and you just kind of make yourself right at home. You know, there's times that I'll say, hey, where are your cups? Where are your plates? I'm going to go get you this and this and this. And, you know, I just go right in their kitchen and get what I want. (laughs) I love it. Yes. And then just the whole scheduling part is different because I may have patients that are an hour and a half away from each other. And so if I have one that cancels or one that I get there and OT's there, you know, I have to work my schedule around that. And so it's just, you know, finding that happy medium there. Yeah. I I worked in, when I lived in Vegas, I worked in, I did some home health and I just loved it. Uh huh. Like I was just doing it to just, you know, pick up some extra hours in between lulls, but I ended up loving it because I think you really get like a good connection with the patient. I don't know, you know, like there's not, there's not all the crazy environment of rehab sniff, you know, they're not in the hospital anymore. And I love just being able to just sit down with them and talk to them in their home environment and see what I could do to assimilate what I was doing back into their home environment. Absolutely. And I think for me, what I found is you kind of become part of the family especially when you're really working with the patient a lot that, you know, the family might be there, the daughter's there, the wife's there, the husband's there, you know, whoever it is. And you just become part of that family. So it's just, it's a great environment and they're comfortable at home. They're not, you know, sitting there saying, Oh, I'm ready to go home. I'm, I hate being here. Yeah. 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 You are home and, and they're more comfortable in that environment. So it's, it's a great setting to, to work in, I think. All right. So, well, I love it, Tiffany. Yes. So, where should we go? Where should we start? Well, I think that um, one of the big things, too, with home health, and like you said, you know, the swallowing's the same, but you get to see the real side of the patient. So, you know, you have that patient that comes in from outpatient therapy that says, oh, yeah, I thicken my liquids at home and I'm doing my chin tuck and I'm doing all of this. And you know, for me, I actually get to go into the home and I see their can of thickener that's never been opened. And I see the list of exercises that they had from rehab that's fallen behind the couch and has, you know, three inches of dust on it. 
And so I get to actually see what's going on and I can actually see what the problem is. So, you know, there have been times that sometimes it's just a matter of the patient eats too fast. And so we get smaller utensils. You know, I've, I've had one that they were concerned with the patient choking and it was because her bites were so large because they were giving her like serving spoons to eat from. I mean, they were enormous spoons. And I said, well, why don't you give her a regular size spoon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it fixed the problem. <laughs> so yeah. we didn't have to go any further. So you actually get to see the patient in their environment and not just go by what they're telling you. Yeah, which is great. great. Yes. I, I don't think it gets any more real than that. It doesn't. And even at home, you know, they'll say, yeah, I thicken all of my liquids. And, you know, like I said, you can go and look at their can of thickener and I can say, well, <laughs> you never open this. Yeah. Yeah. So are you sure? And, you know, and I always tell my patients, please be honest with me because I need to know if you're drinking the thin liquids, because if you are, and there's no issues since you are drinking the thin liquids, that tells me you're doing pretty well with them. Yeah. So I'm not doing this to beat you up and slap your wrist and put you in the corner. I'm doing this just to see how you're tolerating them and see how I don't like the word tolerating, but you know, just to see how yes. they're able to handle those liquids. Yeah. Well, um, how does it work with getting thickener in the home? Um, typically the family has to go buy it. Okay. As far as our company, we can give them so many packets. So I have simply thick in my bag which is like a suitcase of stuff that I yeah. don't use. But I do have bit, um, packets of Simply Thick Thickener. And then they go, um, you know, CVS, Walmart, Walgreens, all has thickener. The only bad thing is it's still all the cornstarch thickener. They don't have the yeah. xanthan gum yet. Yeah. I had, I was talking with a patient, a patient's family yesterday. They were getting ready to go home and the patient loved the Simply Thick and wanted to make sure they could get get it at home. And I was like, I don't sure. think you can buy it anywhere. I think you have to actually call them. Yes. But you I have do to know they're them. usually like super generous. They'll give you a ton of samples and things. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. And if you get to be really good friends with your Simply Thick rep, you can get boxes and boxes and boxes of it. Yeah. So they're very generous with their samples. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to know from you, what was your favorite part of home health? Oh, I don't, what was my favorite part? I don't know. I I think I just loved like just walking into a person's home and just getting, like you said, getting to know them in their real environment. Absolutely. You know, there's not a ton of distractions and you don't have to fight off nurses and things like that to get their <laughs> attention. And I, I just, I really liked it. I do. So, I do too. It's yeah. probably my favorite setting so far. Yeah. And, you know, and like I said, with the scheduling, sometimes the patient cancels. I've had the last two weeks, I can't tell you how many cancellations I've had. Yeah. So, you know, I take that time sometimes if I can't get somebody else in there and I'll stop at the store and get what we need. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For home, what about, so, you know, you kind of have that flexibility. Yeah. Um, Cause I feel like sometimes like other SLPs will ask me what I think of the home health setting. And I think it really is like individual. Like I, what do you think the good characteristics of like being a home health SLP are? I would say, you have to be a pretty independent SLP and confident in your skills. Like I, there's some SLPs that I couldn't imagine going out and doing home health. And then there's others that I think would just assimilate perfectly in that. Absolutely. I mean, you definitely need to be independent because most of the time you are just completely on your own. 
Yeah. So for me, um, for our company, it's really large and we're across several states. But in our office, I'm the only SLP. So I go, I think my territory is like two, two and a half hours of drive time. Crazy. Um, from one end to the other. So it, it does get a little bit crazy. You also have to be very flexible. Yeah. Very flexible. Because, you know, there's times you get to a person's house and <laughs> they're sick or, you know, they have family and they forgot you were coming. Um, there's times you get there and PT or OT's there, nurses there, home health aid. You know, we have a lot of people that we juggle around. And so you do have to learn to be very flexible. And you also have to learn to really abide by patients' rights. Yeah. Um, not that you don't in other settings, but, you know, there's so many times that... Um, I go in and the patient will say, you know, I don't want to do this. And I'll say, okay, that's fine. You know, and I feel like for me, I don't get a lot of kickback from the company when I do that. You know, if the person doesn't want it, they don't want it. We don't try to force it down their throat and we don't try to force visits down their throat. So yeah, that's what that's I like. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it probably does get a little awkward too, if they're yelling at you that they don't want to do it and to get out of their house and you're just like, no. I have to. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. I mean, just like in the, in skilled nursing facilities, you know, there's been times that I have, um, you know, had somebody that is for swallowing and they're vomiting and, you know, and they're trying to, well, how can you get your minutes with this person? And you're like, I can't. Right. Right. (laughs) They're, they're throwing up right now. I don't think they want to swallow anything. Right. So (laughs) preferably not their vomit. Yeah. Oh, please. No. You know, and then, and then they want you to, well, can you um, go and teach nursing aspiration risk, you know, positioning to keep that person safe? Well, no, because that's not, you know, they should know this. (laughs) I I don't think that's something I should have to teach nursing staff. Yeah. Maybe, maybe at home I would teach family that because family doesn't always know that. So so but what yeah. about, um, tell me about, cause I think a lot of SLPs sometimes are, are getting nervous that they have to like do vitals and all that stuff. What kind of things do you have to do in home health that you didn't have to do in a previous setting? Um, I do have to take vitals every session. I take blood pressure, temperature, um, their pulse rate, and then we do respiratory rate. And so, um, I have a stethoscope that I use for vitals only. And, you know, we have the blood pressure cuff. You can use your own electric one if you want. The, um, I use the manual just because I think it's more accurate. And so, um, but it's good to know because there are times that patients are super, super high with their blood pressure. And so I really don't want to sit there and work with them if they're, yeah. you know, if they're 200 over 110, I'm going to be calling the doctor and send them to the hospital. Yeah. So, and it's the same thing. Does your company have like a list of guidelines? Like if their blood pressure is this high, call us, or if it's this high, call 911. Like what is the protocol for if something is out of whack? So our protocol is um, we use tablets and we put, we input the vital signs as we go. So I put those in and once they hit a certain limit and it's different limits for every patient. So one person, it may set off if they're over 160, over 90, it, you know, and it, or it may be a little bit higher depending on what the doctor wants their norms to be. 
And so once I put that in and I hit save, if it's too high, I get an alert that I have to call the doctor. Gotcha. And then that note also goes to my office. So well, that's cool. And then the other thing we do um, for our home health is we have home health monitors that go into some patients' homes. So they have a scale and it's all Bluetooth now and it, it connects to a tablet. Um, it's, the, it's a scale, it's a pulse ox, a blood pressure cuff and a thermometer. And so their vitals are taken every day and that's sent directly to our office so that they constantly have a nurse monitoring them. Well, that's super cool. It is. It is. And it's really nice for so many of our patients who are yeah. just so out of whack. Yeah. So well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I know. I remember when I, when I first was told that I like had to take vitals and stuff, I like freaked out because like, when does an SLP ever learn how to take vitals? Watch YouTube. And so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I remember I like called Ash. I was like, is this within the scope of practice for home health? And they were like, yeah, but you know, you just have to do it and report the numbers. I was like, okay. Cause I don't know what any of these numbers mean. Sure. So, yeah, sure. And for us, our supervisors are all nurses. And so if I have a question about a patient, I can always call and just ask, you know, Hey, my patient has this, this, and this, what do you think? So, but I've had to send probably four to the hospital so far. Yeah. So good catch, good. Tiffany. Well, thank you. Yeah. And one yeah. actually was traked at the hospital because the All respiratory right. rate was so low. She was, I think, nine respirations per minute at that time. And so they had oh. to trach her. Okay. So, you know, and sometimes families don't understand that, you know, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, patient yeah. has strider when they're breathing, you know, and they just kind of think, ah, oh, it'll pass. It'll be okay. And so, you know, sometimes we're the ones that go in there and say, Hey, no, they need to go to the yeah. hospital. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. It's fun. I, I enjoy that part. All right. Well, thank you for covering that. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. I know that's a hot topic in a lot of the home health groups. Yeah. I'm um, doing like start of cares, doing, um, vitals because yeah. we do do start of care also. So we may be the person that goes in and initiates, um, the actual agency, um, admit. So if it's a person that the doctor only orders speech, I'm going in there and I'm filling out everything that nursing would fill out on that very first visit. So I'm inputting medication. I'm doing their vital signs limits. I'm deciding if they need PT, OT, do they need nursing, all of those kinds of things. And so I do, I do those probably at least one every couple of months. So, and they take about three hours to do. Oh my God. So, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. The amount of information you have to put in and almost zero of it is speech related. Yeah. But you know, you're, you just do what you have to do. You do. You do. You're a team player, Tiffany. Absolutely. So yeah. So to answer every single question on every single home health Facebook group, can SLPs do start of cares? Yes, they yes, can. They can. Yes, they can. And another one is talking about wound measurements and wound precautions with start of care. And I always, I would not, I, I'm not trained to measure wounds. I'm not trained to look at wounds. So I would just say, call the doctor at that point and say, Hey, we need to get nursing in here ASAP. Gotcha. And so I would just put in my note, you know, that there's a wound and nursing has been ordered. Good. So, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Easy peasy. It is. It is. It's really not. No need to get all bent out of shape. Yeah. No, no. It's not much worse than a lot of those evaluation forms we have to fill out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So. All right. So let's dive into doing an eval, doing a dysphagia eval in the home. Yes. And it's really, this is the question that I probably get more than anything is. How does this differ differ from being in the hospital, from being... Well, it doesn't. It's, you know, like you said, you swallow the same, (laughs) whether you're at home, whether you're in the nursing home, you know, and when we're doing a clinical assessment, we can do the same things no matter where we are, because we really don't need a lot of tools to do it. We need a lot of knowledge to do it. Yes. And the, yes. and the good thing for us being at home is this person's typically been in the hospital. They've probably been in rehab and then they're at home getting therapy. So in more cases than none, they've already had an instrumental assessment. So all I have to do is get a copy of that instrumental assessment. Now, sometimes that's the difficult part, but a lot of times the patient can tell you kind of what happened. Yeah. And you know, they can usually give you enough information from it that they were told that you can say, okay, this is, this is what's going on. Yeah. So, but do you, um, do you ever have a lot of trouble getting the reports? Um, it really depends. Like I said, it depends on the hospital. Okay. Like we have one hospital here that likes to send just the radiologist report, which we all know is just not what we need. Yeah. Um, and then we have some that just kind of ignore us, like we never even asked for it. So <laughs> um, the best places are the ones that actually send the report with the patient's medical records that are then you know, stored in our tablet, and I have full access to it. And that happens awesome. sometimes, not all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you ever get told that like they can't send it to you because of HIPAA or anything like that? Sometimes um, what I've found that helps me is having somebody in the office that I can actually say, hey, can you call such and such hospital? And I need a report on so-and-so. And usually if it comes from the office and it comes on a cover sheet, um, facts with all the patient information, we usually don't have that problem. Gotcha. So, but yeah, usually if I even call um, and getting to know your area speech pathologist is so important. Yeah. It is so much better if you know somebody, Um, you know, I know, I know an SLP here. um, I'm actually mentoring her for BCSS right now, which is great. Oh, that's exciting. (laughs) It is. And she had one of my patients today for a repeat swallow study. And, um, so she texted me right away, right after he was done that, you know, Hey, he did great. No aspiration, nothing wrong, completely normal swallow. And so, yeah. And so I knew, and we went ahead and discharged today because that's what I needed to know. (laughs) Right. Awesome. All right. Yes. Um, so let's, so let's talk about what if they don't come with an instrumental exam? Um, if they don't come with an instrumental exam, what I do is I still do as much of a case history as I can. We usually have the history and physical. We have, you know, a little bit of their medical records. We probably don't have as complete as you get in the hospital, but we do get some. And so, and then I talk to the patient, you know, I do just like I would do in the hospital. I ask them what's going on. What's the problem? You know, what, find out what else they have, you know, do they have Parkinson's? 
do they have dementia? What's, what's going on with you? And then, so, you know, I may spend 20 minutes just doing the interview and talking to the patient, talking to the family, you know, just to see what's, what's the problem. And if, if I do the swallow or if I do that clinical evaluation and I feel like we still need a swallow study, I just ask, I go straight, straight to our director and I'll say, Hey, I'm seeing so-and-so I don't know what's going on with them. I need a swallow study. And usually I get the, okay, the go ahead. And then I can call the doctor and get the order. And then we just get that set up at the hospital. Awesome. Yeah. So does your, do you know, does your company pay for the solo studies? Yes. Okay. So anything with home health, um, any supplies that we order, any tests that we request and we order, it, that is, that comes from our company. So we have to pay for that. It's kind of yeah. like the med yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you get a lump sum depending on how many visits you're anticipating. And then, you know, tests and all that come out of that lump sum. Yeah. So, well, so, and so that's what I try to tell people too, is like in home health, I feel like getting an instrumental, you can help to justify so many more visits. Yes. Um, like I, I worked with a company in Vegas and they, and I did fees for them. And that was one thing was that, you know, the director of nursing realized with having the instrumental report done that they, that she now knew that she could justify 20 more visits Absolutely. or without it. She didn't, you know, who knows if the patient really needs it. Absolutely. So I think that's such a good point for people to keep in mind too, if they are facing some adversity. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, and I just tell them, I, I will just flat out say, Hey, I can't see this person until I know what's going on. There's no point in me going in and working with this person and having no clue what's going on. Yeah. Now there are times that the patient says no, and there's times that the family says no. And so we do the best we can. So we may try some strat, you know, smaller drinks. We may try, um, I've had a woman that really physically for her, it was going to be very difficult to get her to the hospital and get her in the chair and do the swallow study for her. But she had, um, I'm trying to, it was like Parkinson's. She had, uh, and I can't think of what she had, multiple systems atrophy is what it was. Yeah. So now that I talk about it, I think of it. But it's, yeah. it's very um, much like Parkinson's, but it advances more quickly. And so for her, she was drinking from a cup and going back and she couldn't come forward fast enough and bring the cup down fast enough to actually stop the liquid from keep, you know, go running back in her mouth. And so all we did was add a straw. Yeah. And she actually improved so much because she could control the, the drink size with the straw. Yeah. Cool. So... Have you, um, have you heard of people or home health companies saying that they call the, um, like the primary care doctor and have him order it. And that way the home health company doesn't have to pay for it. It goes through the patient's insurance. Have you ever heard of that? Um, I think I've actually had, we have a doctor here that is in charge of, um, one of our acute rehab facilities and he'll actually go ahead and order a repeat swallow study before the patient's discharged. And then once they're discharged, he, he's already given them an order. And so as far as I know, and what I've been told, we don't have to pay for that because we didn't request it. Gotcha. So I don't think we call the, I don't think we try to be sneaky. 
about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, hey, can you do this on the download? Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, and sometimes too, if I know my patients going to the doctor, I'll have them talk to the doctor and say, hey, you know, maybe could we do a swallow study? And so that way, you know, the doctor's seeing them and is getting a lot of their symptoms. And a lot of times we can get it done that way. Awesome. So, yeah. I just like to tell people there are options. There are ways out there to get your patient seen. There are. And there's actually becoming quite a bit of demand for mobile fees in the home. Yes. Um, that, and it's just a matter of figuring out how to do it legally. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which has been the, it's been the hardest part, I think, because I know for Indiana, our laws are extremely vague and it just yeah. does under the general supervision of a physician. Right. So, and I actually had a doctor call me a couple of weeks ago wanting me to come in and do a, a fees on his mom. Yeah. And yeah, she was declining, but she was on hospice services. And so, you know, I would have had to have something signed with hospice and I just couldn't get it done in the amount of time that he needed it. He wanted it like within two days. Yeah. So um, they, end, I think they ended up taking her to an ENT office to have the fees done at that point. Gotcha. But um, I'm, I'm really getting a lot of feedback about doing instrumentals at home. Good. I love it. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's just a matter of getting it set up. <laughs> it is. It really is. All right. And great for our patients. It is. <laughs> all right. Anything else on evaluation? Did we cover it all? Um, I, th- I think, you know, it's, it's great doing it at home because you can actually test foods that the patient eats. You're not just grabbing whatever is in the drawer at the hospital or in your office, you know, or whatever you can scrounge up that day. You can have the patient. And a lot of times when I call to schedule the appointment, I'll say, have a snack out or, you know, pick something that, you know, what do they eat normally? What's something that they eat quite a bit? And, you know, if it's popcorn, hey, can you have some popcorn out? Or I can run to the store and get some popcorn. It's not something, you know, I'm not going and buying a steak and <laughs> yeah, yeah. bottle of wine for them. But, you know, I can get something that they do like to eat and that they eat frequently. And you can actually see you know, what they're doing with their foods. You can see the cups that they're using. Um, you can do your cranial nerve exam there. It's really what? simple. I know. Who knew? In a, in a home? <laughs> in a home. They, the cranial nerves still work the same way. What? Just like the swallow. <laughs> All right. All right. So, yes. yes. So there's lots of information to be gleaned. There is. And you can, I mean, it's exactly the same as doing it as an outpatient evaluation as an inpatient evaluation, you know, you're, you're doing, you're looking for the same things. You're looking for difficulty. You're looking for, um, you know, are you having trouble breathing? Is your, are you becoming congested? Um, those kinds of things. But then too, um, you know, there's times, like I said, um, you, you see that they're using a serving spoon to eat and you think, Oh, maybe you're getting a little too much at a time. Or they're slumped over in their recliner trying to eat with the TV blaring and they're not paying one bit of attention. And you can work on those modifications to the environment that you can't do as an outpatient because you don't know they exist. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. All right. So let's move on and talk about treatment. And again, treatment is exactly the same. 
you're still working on treating the impairment. You're not, you know, you're not treating aspiration. You're not treating residue. You're working on hyaluronal excursion. You're working on timing of the swallow. You're working on sensory. You can do all of these things. They make us carry this great big bag into the home every home visit that has our vital stuff. I think mine has laryngeal mirrors in it and they've never been touched. Um, I I I have lemon glycerin swabs that I had to switch out because they expired and I still haven't touched them. Um, but I take my own things in there also. Um, I actually, I have one of the phasia flex devices that you can use for CTAR. And so I use that sometimes. Um, I don't leave it with the patient, but I have them do CTAR with their fist or with a towel or with a ball, you know, whatever they have available and we can work with that. Awesome. So, but what about, um, what about things like, I think you're amp care certified, right? I am. I yeah. am, but I don't have an amp care device and I'm oh, gotcha. on that. Okay. Okay. Um, we have vital stem, of course. Okay. <laughs> so, and I do use the vital stem. I just use it with the amp care placement. So, gotcha. um, I only use one strip of electro or the, I just use the one lead and then I put the electrodes just on the submental muscles. That's the only place I put them if we use it. Gotcha. So, and then, I mean, we swallow. I'll tell the patient, I want you to have this, 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 and this. And if you can't get any of these things, let me know. Um, you know, I've taken ice cream into the house. The person wanted a Frosty from Wendy's. And so, you know, on the way I stopped, and got a Frosty. And so, and that, you know, it makes it nice too, because I can do that right before I go to the person's house. Yeah. You know, we can do Starbucks. We can do so many different things. And we, we work on swallowing the same thing that I would do in the hospital. Um, I have a patient right now that's a total glossectomy at home, which has been a challenge. Yeah, (laughs) You know, um, home exercise program, any exercises we're targeting what's no longer there or what's been mutilated because their submental muscles are just absolutely mangled and mutilated. And there's absolutely no tongue, nothing. Crazy. It, it is. And so we're working on half teaspoons of water and we're doing some compensatory strategies to see how those work. Awesome. And that's what we do is we just work on those and we tweak them however we need to. So if she's having a really bad day that day, we'll say, okay, let's try to do it this way instead. And we'll work on it that way. And then that becomes her home exercise because she's, she knows how to do it. She knows to continue. Um, sometimes we do ice chips with her too. But, um, you know, and that's her goal right now. Her goal right now is to have a little bit of water and to maybe work up to purees. So, awesome. Yeah. And it, it's fun. It's very challenging. Yeah. <laughs> I will yeah. say that's been my most challenging so far. Yeah. So, but yeah, and I always, always leave home exercise programs. Yeah. Um, And I, I like to use, and I don't know, I think this has been published, but Georgia Malandrecki um, here in Indiana, she's at Purdue and she's just brilliant and phenomenal. And I love having her pretty much in my backyard so that I can bug her. Yeah. But I know she had been, she presented a few years ago at our state conference about, only doing maybe one or two exercises at a time. 
And that when you do those, the person only does one exercise one day and then they switch off and do the other exercise the next day. And so they're kind of alternating those exercises where you're not giving them the kitchen sink, you know, list that includes every single exercise known to man and some that you're thinking, where did, where did this come from? (laughs) Yeah. So, but, um, so I usually give them maybe one exercise, possibly two. So, and we target, target the deficit there, which is, you know, what, what everybody should be doing in every single setting. Yes. So. Um, yeah. I lost my train of thought. Did you? <laughs> I, I kind of rambled on there, didn't I? That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's why my blog's called Dysphagia Rambling. That's why you're Dysphagia Rambling. Yes, because I do ramble. <laughs> That's okay. No, <laughs> no. I well, I think what you said, Tiffany, I think makes so much sense is, is like, how is home health so much different than outpatient? You know, I mean, yeah. you're still basically in a room with a patient trying to get as much information as you can to try to put all the pieces together that I don't think it should be viewed as this, you know, wild animal when it really is very similar to some of the other settings in what you do. It, it really is. And like the only, I think the biggest difference is getting to see the functional side of the person. And, um, for me, and it's my least favorite part of my job is doing cognitive therapy. I hate it. Anybody that knows me knows I hate it, but I find that cognitive therapy in the home is so much better than doing it as an outpatient. And that's, those are other posts that I see all the time. Like, how, how do I work on medication management in the home? And, you know, people's, oh, well, get Skittles or get this. And, and I'm like, you have their medicine right there. Let's, if medication management is a goal, why don't you just work with their medicine so that they actually know what their pills look like and they know where to put them, you know, and maybe fill their pill box with them that day. And that's very functional, (laughs) you know, and instead of doing worksheets, why don't we work on setting up memory strategies in the home? Why don't we work on, you know, hey, you're going to fill out this sheet every day. And, you know, this is your memory book. This is your journal. This is your diary, you know, whatever we're going to call it. Let's make it as functional as possible. And I, I will say that I am worksheet free. (laughs) Awesome. No worksheets. Awesome. So. I think there needs to be like a, a rehab for that. I do too. And yeah, yeah. I, mean, I do use my iPad a lot. Yeah. I use it and I get my phone out a lot. Um, you know, just using the dysphagia apps. I use the one from Northern Speech Services all the time that shows the swallow. Yeah. I think it's just called dysphagia. And it shows animated swallows so that the person can actually see what's happening. And I can say, well, look, this is what's not working on you. And this is the exercise that we're going to do to make these muscles work and make this happen. (laughs) I love it. Yes. So, and that, that just increases that whole buy-in from the patient. Yeah. And they don't just think you're some wackadoo. No, no. And but I think the hardest part with home health is, you know, like I said, a lot of times this person's been in the hospital, they've been in rehab, and then they come home. And so in the hospital, uh, maybe they were told that you can't have anything. If you have thin liquids, you will aspirate, you'll have pneumonia, you're going to die as soon as it touches your mouth. 
And so they're scared to death of thin liquids. And then they go to a different set, you know, wherever they're going after that. And they're given a list. I've seen as many as 25 pages of exercises to do at home. Oh my God. Yeah. And you can imagine where those go. Those are the ones that are behind the couch with three inches of dust on them. Yes. And, you know, and I'll have patients that'll say, okay, well, this is my, this, these are my exercises and I'm not sure why I'm doing this. I don't even know what this is for. And some of them I look and I, I'll say, I don't know what that's for either. I'm not sure why you're doing that either. And so, um, you know, and I don't throw other SLPs under the bus and say, yeah, you know, this is really bad. <laughs> but I'll say, hey, you know, you've been doing these for a while. Let's switch it up a little bit. Let's, you know, do something different. And let's, uh, you know, you don't go to the gym and do the same thing every single day, trying to, you know, get stronger, build muscle, build that skill. You don't do the same thing every day. So let's try something else. And we're going to cut it down to maybe one, two exercises. And the compliance goes way up on most patients at that point, because one or two exercises is so much easier than 25 pages. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I think that's kind of such a good way to reframe it, Tiffany, instead of SLP shaming, just, you know, we're going to try try a different route this time. Absolutely. And, you know, and I really think SLPs are doing the best they can. I think they're doing the best they know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that what happens is, and I just see with a lot of these exercises that these are the same things that were out when I was just starting. And this is what I was taught to do. And so we're just, we're just this vicious cycle of, well, this this is what I've used for 25 years. And this is what still works when we have research coming out consistently that's telling us, you know, maybe this one isn't so good, or maybe this one doesn't do what we thought it did now. And, but I don't think the oral motor exercises will ever go away. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that, that whole stick out your tongue 10 times. I think every patient that I have says, well, I'm supposed to make a bulldog face. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I've heard that one. Oh, it they make a bulldog to, face? Yeah, you stick out your lower jaw and tighten everything. And, oh my god, I don't know that I've ever heard of that one. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, that one that must be an Indiana. What is what is that what is that one doing? What's that I, supposed to be doing? I don't I think it's supposed to help with hyalurangeal excursion because they say those muscles tighten. Uh-huh. But, Interesting. I, I'm thinking unless you do that while you swallow, that's not going to help much. Right. And I don't know that you would do that when you swallow. Right. So. Interesting. I mean, there's just, yeah. There's just those weird ones. I've had one that the person was supposed to yell, yell. Oh. Yeah. And he, and he kept saying, you know, why am I doing this? And I kept saying, I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. don't know, but let's change that one. <laughs> let's change this one out. Let's okay. change this one. Let's yeah. let's switch this up. <laughs> I like it. I yeah. like it, Tiffany. Well, thank you. I try to be All diplomatic. Right. I know you are. You are. <laughs> Anti-confrontational. Yes. <laughs> but I do, you know, I travel and I do speaking events on dysphagia, which I love to do. I think it's so much fun. And it's just, it's so refreshing. I was just in North Dakota 
And, you know, I had some SLPs that came up and were saying, you know, oh, we're so glad that you're telling us to stop doing these exercises and, and to stop being scared of aspiration. Yeah. And I think we talked about that when I was on the first time, yeah. you know, it, it's okay for your person to aspirate. And that's what I always say to even do in swallow studies, doing fees, you know, everybody sees that first aspiration and freaks out, but you know, it's not the first time they've aspirated, you know, they, yeah. somebody doesn't choke on a, on a drink of water and say, Oh my gosh, I'm going right straight to radiology because I, I've, you know, just aspirated something. They've done this for a while because they're starting to notice it. By the time you get it ordered from the doctor, you get, get them scheduled in. It's been a while and they've continued to aspirate that whole time. Yeah. So, and even in the home, I've got people that choke on their, on their food sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Do you, um, do you spend a lot of time talking about like oral care and like the pillars of pneumonia and things like that? This is the first thing. That's our first session. Every awesome. session, every single session, because, and I tell patients, I know you're going to cheat. I know that right now <laughs> you think I am going to thicken every drink that I have and they don't. And so our very first session, I will say, you know, Hey, when I, if you're going to have a drink of water, if you're going to have a drink and I usually will, will actually say anytime before you eat, I want you to brush your teeth. And I'll say, I know that sounds really backwards because we're so used to brushing our teeth after we eat or drink. Um, but I want you to do it before because we want to get as much of that bacteria out of there as possible. We want to, you know, get your mouth as clean as possible. And then if you do aspirate, it's not as much of a big deal. So awesome. And you know, if somebody's at home on a ventilator, it's a whole different story. I'm not going to yeah, do that same yeah. kind of, <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, yeah. we're going to have a whole different talk and we're going to do oral care so that when they aspirate secretions. Yeah. But it's as clean as possible. But yeah. yeah, we do definitely. That is one thing all of my patients can tell you is that I have to brush my teeth <laughs> before I have anything to eat or drink because my mouth has to be clean. Awesome. So, all right. Yes. Any, any final thoughts? Any, this was really good. Well, thank you. I, yeah. it's, it's really easy to talk about what you love to do. I know. I mean, it's, you know, when you're just so passionate and you just want to, you know, say, Hey, it's not that hard. It's not that different doing it in the home. Yeah. But you know, and I think everybody should try home health at one point or another, just, just to get those experiences, you know, and, and you go in and sometimes, sometimes you go into homes that aren't as nice as others. Um, I've had one or two homes with bed bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've seen some dead things in some homes and, you know, you just, you have to appreciate what your patients, you know, the other struggles that they have, the other things that they're going through and yeah. you see that in home health. So, you know, I think that for a lot of people just to get out of your comfort zone and to realize, you know, that not everybody has the same advantages. I think it I think it's a great setting to do that because you do yeah. see you know, I've I've seen dead mice in homes. I've seen a lot of things and yeah. you know, yeah. you learn how to deal with that and yeah. <laughs> and say, "Hey, 
did you know you have a dead mouse on your floor right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty blunt and open and we'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Tiffany. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. So if you would love to hear more of these episodes and get some easily digestible bites of swallowing knowledge, then please leave a review on iTunes or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash swallow your pride because that is what keeps these episodes coming. Also, don't forget to subscribe, share with your closest colleagues, and show notes will always be available to download over on swallowyourpridepodcast.com, where you can also be notified of the latest podcast episodes. Also, credit to Stephanie Jacobson for her incredible editing skills, and thank you so much to all of you for listening.